Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Andy. I'm the pastor here at Reunion. I missed you guys a lot. Uh, we, we, took a, we took a break between Christmas Eve and, and now, and uh, I missed you guys a lot. I'm glad you were with whoever you were with, doing whatever you're doing, but I had a big smile on my face driving here. Um, and yeah, I missed you. So it's good to be back with you guys. Happy New Year. Um, I, uh, I'm dealing with a bit of a loss this morning. Um, uh, this morning when I was stepping onto, sta- onto the stage here, um, my pants ripped. Not here or here so much, but like, like right here. And so, uh, so yeah, I had to go home and, uh, I just, I wasn't ready to say goodbye to those pants. Um, yeah, just, you know, when you don't get like the goodbye you wanted, you don't get the closure that, that you were ready for. So, um, yeah, it was terrible. Sarah laughed. Sarah laughed. Um, she thought it was pretty great. I'm, I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time. So, yeah, we're doing these pants this morning, but uh, new pants, new year, and I, um, yeah, I feel like my new year's resolution was made for me. My pants were telling me what, what needs to happen. So, yeah. Uh, so, we are, we're in a new year and a, a new place in, in our journey through Ephesians. Um, if you have a Bible, um, you can turn to one, or you can power one on. Uh, we've also got Bibles here in the middle, uh, if you need one. And uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. And, uh, and just so you guys know, I, I uh, was running on a little bit not enough sleep uh, last night, so I forgot to print my notes. So from time to time, I'm going to ask for a next slide from Daniel, and it's not because he's spaced out and doesn't know where he's at in the notes. It's because he doesn't have notes, and he doesn't know when the next slide is needed. So when I'm saying that, yeah, anytime. time. So, um, so we're, yeah, we're all, yeah, he's, he's, he's all good, and then I'm going to let him know from time to time the next slide that we need. So um, as you saw in the video, um, you could divide up Ephesians into two halves, and we have reached the second half. So Ephesians chapter 4, we're in that second half now, and Paul starts off Ephesians 4 with that word, therefore. Um, He says this, next slide, Uh, therefore I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And if you haven't seen Wayne's World yet, um, I, we're, we're not friends if I haven't told you about that. Uh, Daniel would say Wayne's World 2. He's not your friend if he hasn't told you about Wayne's World 2. I think both are a lot of fun. So, uh, but when you hear that word worthy, um, it describes something that fits really well. Um, it talks about, it, it's, a, it's a way to describe living in congruence with the way, maybe you could say like with the grain of something. You know, you cut with the grain of the wood if you're a carpenter. If, okay, any chefs in here, do you cut with the, does meat have a grain? You, you cut against it. Okay, see, so then that wouldn't work in this situation. So, um, uh, so but yeah, you, you, but you're living, when you're living worthy, you're living in a way that makes sense with everything that Jesus has accomplished. So Paul's just laid out chapters 1 through 3, all these things that Christ has done, and now Paul is saying, hey, in light of all that, let's live worthy in light of of what all has been done for us, this new reality that Jesus has ushered in. And what does that worthy life look like? Uh, Verse 17, 4 verse 17, uh, read along with me. So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking They're darkened in their understanding. They're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardening of their hearts. 
Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they're full of greed. That, however, is not how you learned Christ. When you heard about Christ and you were taught about Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So uh, if you would, uh, pray with me while, uh, before, we, before we go any further. Um, God, I, I miss these friends of mine. It's so good to be in the room with them. Um, but God, we're here because we want to we be in the room with you. We, we need to experience your voice. We need your presence. We want to see your face, Jesus. We want to have an, a real encounter with you. We already got a sense for that, even just as we were singing and worshiping, just a, just a really sp- sweet spirit and time in, uh, in, in just in the room as we were praying. God, we want more of you. We want an encounter with you. I love these friends of mine, but really what the gift that we could give each other this morning is to have shared an experience and had an encounter with you where we, we, we felt that you drew near to us. So God, may uh, the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, and draw near to us today. Be our teacher. Be speaking. Draw near. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so what we just read was pretty dense, so let's get our, our bearings a little bit. It doesn't, what we just read doesn't flow as easily as some of the other stuff that Paul says sometimes. There was, there was a lot there. Um, if you come away with only one thing today and you're taking notes, um, the main thing is that, uh, next slide, Paul is wanting us to walk as new humans. That's, that's the main thing. If there was nothing else that you, that as just, how, how do I, where do I place all this stuff? The, the thing holding it all together, Paul wants us to walk as new humans. He wants us to live as the new humans who we are becoming in relationship to Jesus Christ, the one true human. And to do that, Paul says, you guys, it's time to lay aside the old and it's time to put on the new. And so first off, we've got to talk about the old. What's that? And uh, next slide. Paul says, don't walk like the Gentiles walk. And um, you might remember that this letter is addressed to a whole lot of Gentiles. So why does Paul say, hey, Gentiles, don't walk like Gentiles? That seems confusing, a little weird. Um, that's because Paul, he's not using this word Gentile to say non-Jewish people. He's using this word to say, next slide, um, all people who have not yet encountered Jesus Christ, all people who have not yet stepped into and embraced this new reality that Jesus has brought about. He's saying, don't, don't walk like that anymore because that's not, that's not true of who you are anymore. It wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't be a worthy kind of life that would be living in congruence in a way that makes sense with all that Jesus has done. So no more of that. Knowing that, does Gentile describe uh, who you were at one point in your faith journey. Can, can you remember times in your life when God was revealing to you that your life was still really, in most respects, still all about you? It was still very much the Andy show, or put your own name, enough of that, but it's, it's all about you. That's walking like a Gentile. Paul's like, enough of that, enough of that. Can, can you remember times when you had not yet stepped into the new way of life 
that Jesus had laid out to you. You felt like you were on the cusp of it, you had heard about it, but you felt like almost like an outsider looking in, and you're like, I know that there's this, this new thing that God has for me, but I haven't stepped into it yet. Can you think of times in your life like that? That, that would be walking like a Gentile. Does, um, does Gentile describe people in your life that, that you care about? People that you work with, people that you live alongside, people that you're praying for? Our story is that we had been walking the Gentile way of life, and guess what? It, it wasn't living. It wasn't a life. We, we were, it was, um, it was dehumanizing. We, we were not more of who God meant for us to be. We were, we were less. Our, our hearts were hard to the voice of our creator, and that degenerates us. That breaks us down. It makes us less human. And Paul describes our story before Jesus was Lord. He describes this, this hardness of heart that leads to this darkness of mind, and then you lose all sensitivity to the point where you lose self-control, and you allow all kinds of things into your life. Thank you. Thank you very much, Daniel's actually paying attention. Thank you, Daniel. Um, uh, we, and as a result of losing all sensitivity and having a dark mind and, and, a, and a hard heart, we, we let all kinds of things into our lives and our veins and our eyes and our ears and our relationships, our homes. These, and so then these, these attachments, these behaviors, these Gentile ways of, of, of walking, they probably started off really powerful, really alluring. Maybe it, it you know, you could say, yeah, it, it, it felt good. It was, it was doing it for me for a while. But under the surface, they were robbing us of our full humanity. They were making us less human. They were breaking us down. They were making us less of who God made us to be, not more. How are we going to be saved from that kind of degeneration? Uh, around this time of year, a lot of people are making New Year's resolutions, thinking like, yeah, okay, en enough of that. And they have their list of things, and, but their solution is, I'm going to read some more books, or I'm going to get that gym membership, or whatever. How are we going to be saved, though, from this kind of degeneration, this kind of breakdown? When, when we talk about Jesus saving us, that doesn't mean that as a saved person, now I am more moral. I'm a really good rule keeper. There were some really good rule keepers around when Jesus walked. For a lot of those people said, I, I can't help you because you don't think you need a doctor. You don't think that you're sick. I, I can't do anything for you. And they, they're like, I'm, I'm good, Jesus. I actually just need you to put a, a, a nice little stamp on my life as it is. And he's like, I can't, I can't do anything for you. Rule keepers um, didn't get touched by the life of Jesus because Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to bring dead people to life. Salvation describes this very desperate situation. Next slide. To be saved is to be rescued. We were dead, we were dying, we were done. The totality of, of who we are, our body, our spirit, our thoughts, our desires, our humanity had to be completely and totally rescued by Jesus, had to be completely saved. In Jesus, our creator has taken on our human life as his own. And in that life, in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see on display what a full, true human life looks like in just everyday moments, 
in his eating, in uh, relationship conflicts, in times when he's tired. We just see a full human life lived out, and we see it lived to the fullest. Fully alive to God, Jesus is fully alive to others, fully alive to, to creation, to who he was meant to be, and that is what he's bringing us into. That's the worthy life that Paul is calling us into to say, enough of that. Now, look at Jesus. When Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, he's, he's not saying that his new religion that he's bringing can beat up on all the other religions. He's saying, I am now the center. I am the standard. I am the path for human life as it's meant to be lived. Look at me and you will see how to live human life to its fullest. So a Christian is somebody who is saying, yes, Jesus, your way, your path, how you do things. That's what a full human life looks like. And yes, Jesus, I am now following you into my full humanity. You're the one who's going to rescue me. You're the one who can restore me. You are the one who can make me new. So the Gentile way that was corroding our full humanity. That was breaking us down. But the Jesus way that Paul is announcing to us can restore and renew and reinvigorate our humanity. And so Paul says, don't, don't walk anymore like the people who used to walk as if Jesus hadn't changed everything. Walk as those who have stepped into this new reality that is broken into the world through the life of Jesus. That's the old that we're laying aside. What's the new now that we're putting on? Next slide. Be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Walk as the new humans who are alive to God's new reality. Step into a life that is congruent with this new reality that's broken into the world that Jesus has established. And how do we step into that new life? Repeat after me. Next slide. Learn Christ. Let me hear you say it. We, uh, we get this phrase from verse 20 where Paul says, that's not how you learned Christ. That old way that I was just describing, the Gentile way, you guys, that's not how you learned Christ. This is something that has already happened for the Ephesian Christians. They they've apparently have already learned Christ. Uh, Paul's laid it out for them. He's laid a good foundation for them. He's saying that the Gentile way, you guys left that behind. And there was a point, and it seems like it's still going on, where they learned Christ. But that's kind of a funny way to put it, learn Christ. Where did Paul get that phrase? I think he got it from Jesus. Remember when Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened? And then he says, learn from me, Jesus says. So, so a Christian is somebody who is learning Christ. The key to living congruent with this new reality that's broken into the world is to learn Christ, because he's the key. He's the center of it all. He's the standard. Christ is the new that we are putting on. Not go be a more awesome version of yourself. Don't just inflate who you already are and go out there and be more and more awesome. No, 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 no. You need something brand new. You need Jesus himself. And so we are learning him. We are learning Christ. Now, um, Paul could have said, learn about Christ, but he says, learn Christ. If you remove the about, do you, do you feel a difference? Do you feel that? You, to learn 
to learn about somebody, you can kind of keep an objective distance from them. You know, you're kind of analyzing them, checking them out. But to learn them, that's immersive. That's, that's interactive. That's, that's intimate. And so Paul can say, next slide, you, you heard him. Our, um, our reunion Bibles translate this as um, you heard about him, but it's actually, and they do that because it's kind of a clunky way to speak, so they put that word in there, but actually it's more accurate to say you heard him. In other words, you got close and new to lean on his chest and hear his heart. To put on the new, Paul says, get close to Christ. Get inside Christ. Learn what makes Christ tick. Because an up-close encounter with Jesus is what's going to make it possible to lay aside the old and put on the new. And this is what the early church knew and taught. They, they used the early, the, that phrase, learn Christ, when they were describing when a new disciple would go through their conversion. And uh, next slide. We, we usually hear the word conversion to describe a moment. Um, maybe, you know, you, you prayed the sinner's prayer, or you raised your hand in church, or you stood at a moment when a, a preacher called you to, to stand. We usually think about a moment, but for the first Christians, conversion, it was a moment, but it didn't stop there. It was a moment, but then it was a process. For the first Christians, you had this long period of catechism where you committed to this intensive, in-depth study of the life of Jesus, the person of Jesus, what he said, what he did, and you would practice his way. Disciples of Jesus for the first, at, the, at the beginning were called followers of the way, and you would try out that way because you had been living another way, the Gentile way, and so now you're trying on this whole other way, the way of Jesus, and you'd practice that. You'd try it on for size. You'd see what it's like. You'd go, that, that whole list, yeah, I used to lie. I used to steal. I used to do all these things. Here's now how I'm doing things in my relationships. Here's now how I make decisions. Here's how I do things with money or, or schedule or my sexuality or all these things. I'm, I'm going to try on the Jesus way. And it wasn't until about one to three years of this process, at the end of one to three years, then you were confirmed and then you were baptized in front of your whole church community. Just think about that. One to three years before... A, a, a community of Jesus followers would say, yeah, I think, I think it's stuck. I think you're a Christ follower. Um, I don't know if that sounds extreme to you. I don't know if that sounds intense to you. I don't know if that sounds like exclusive. But I, I think that these guys were so intense about this because they knew that we have already been catechized by so many other voices, so many other forces and influences out there that they didn't want to just like put hands on people lightly and say, okay, you're a Christian now, because then you, you set them up for failure. You set them out, you, you release them into the world, and they're not ready. And then when you fail, when you don't live the Jesus way, when you haven't tried it on for size, when you haven't had enough time for people to pour into you and to have that in-depth experience with Jesus, it sets you up to fail, and they didn't want to do that. They wanted to release people in the world who really had been conformed to the image of Jesus, who had really had a good beginning. Think about how advertising catechizes us all day long. Think about the messages you hear all around you that run counter to the way of Jesus, and they, they come at you from all different directions. Think about the catechizing pressure you feel where you're employed. 
Are there messages, are there policies, are there things that are imposed upon you that run counter to the way of Jesus? Do you feel that pressure? Do you feel pressure to give yourself over to another value system other than the values of Jesus? Do you experience power that's conforming you to the likeness of Jesus, or are you being shaped into something else? If somebody else and those other voices and influences had their way, would it make you more like Jesus or more like someone else? Next slide. Let's, let's say that you're one of those rare kids who grew up with regular church attendance. By the time you were 18 years old, you maybe, let's say you'd been a part of Sunday services and youth group gatherings, that would be about 750 hours of your life, which is a lot, but you also spent 11,000 hours in school, and you spent 15,000 hours with TV and Instagram and video games and Facebook and everything else. Those are two very different catechisms. Which one shaped you more? I think, I think it's fair to say whichever one had the most investment of hours in our lives. So the early church took their time with new Christ followers. They took a long time to give you a lot of time to get a really good look at Jesus, to try out his way in the world before you would say, I'm in, baptize me, I'm part of this thing. It was a whole new way of life, and they didn't want you to step into it casually. So I think it's no wonder that they took their time. Learning um, Christ has to be essential for what we're all about here at this church. Um, this is how C.S. Lewis put it. Next slide. The church exists for nothing else but to draw people into Christ and to make them little Christs. If they're not doing that, then all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. It's even doubtful, you know, whether the whole universe was created for any other purpose. It says in the Bible that the whole universe was made for Christ and that everything is to be gathered together in him. All right, so let's talk about this a little bit. From time to time, if, you, if you're new here, from time to time, we'll group up in like groups of three and just kind of come up for air. Don't yet process this a little bit before we go any further. So um, next slide. Um, let's say that reunion, we don't yet, but let's say that reunion had a one to three year catechism process. What if we did things in imitation of how the early church did it? Um, what should that catechism involve? Uh, what, what would you need? What would other people in your life need to have a really good beginning? And, and think about some of the different factors that are involved. Think about the unique challenges of life in Oakland in 2020. Think about what does a spiritually curious person need that's going to be different from what the needs of a Christ-centered person is going to need. Um, think about people who are carrying baggage from previous uh, church community religious experiences they've had where there's been wounding, where there's been baggage. What are they dealing with? What are they up against when it means that they have to follow Christ? Think about somebody who's been following Christ for a while, but maybe their faith, they're kind of stuck. Things have kind of just plateaued for them. What do they need? So wherever you're at with that, uh, whatever thoughts you have, um, let's, let's get into groups of three, introduce yourself, and then let's talk about this. Like, if, if reunion had a one to three year catechism process, what are the sorts of things that, that would be great to have in there? What, what would you need? What would your friends need? All right, let's group up. Go for it. So um, let's say that you say, yeah, learn Christ. I'm in. Let's do this. Then what, what are we learning as we learn Christ? in um, Christ. So uh, next to Paul summarizes what he believes we're going to learn when we learn Christ. So uh, next slide. 
Paul's saying that you're going to lay, lay aside the old human, and the old human, the language he uses is that the old human has, has been corrupted, and you're going to put on this new human, which is being created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, there's a lot there, but don't, don't miss this part. I think it's so cool. Created to be like God. Wow. This is what it means to be a part of Yahweh's family. In Jesus, we see the full human life. We see in Jesus, humanity lived to, to, to its fullest extent, the richest, fullest, most abundant way to live. In Jesus, we see Yahweh taking humanity to its fullest potential. And so what's our destination? As we follow Jesus, our destiny is to become like Yahweh. We are meant to bear a family resemblance. Next slide. My, my boys should look like me, and not just my face, but character, mannerisms. As, as they're growing up, it's just fun to be like, oh, that's a new thing. You, don't, you didn't do that last week. Um, just this last week, I was trying to teach David hide-and-go-seek, and it was just me and David and Johnny, and, uh, and Johnny, uh, Johnny's nine months old, so I, I held him for the hiding and seeking. You know, um, he, he can't get away and hide very well. He's, he makes a lot of noise when he's crawling. Uh, but uh, David uh, is three, and uh, he, lo he loved the seeking part. We haven't really figured out the hiding part because he can't restrain himself. If he's found a really good hiding spot, he hides for about half a second, and then he's like, oh, I, did you see my spot? That was great. So um, we're working on it. Uh, but, um, but it was fun. As I was, one of the spots I found, I was holding Johnny, and we were in the shower with the curtain drawn because who's going to look there? Um, and... and uh, and Johnny's looking at me like, what are we doing? Um, but I can hear David saying the things that I was saying as I was seeking, where I'm going, hmm, I wonder where David is. I wonder where he could be. David is walking around the house going, hmm, I wonder where daddy is. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so he just, he's just like a sponge. He just picks up on all these things. He sounds like me. He's acting like me. And, and to be a Christian is to bear the family resemblance. It's, it's, it's uncanny how David and I will both cross our ankles the same way when we're sitting on the couch. And, and Jonathan has my personality. He, just quiet and just taking in the world through his, his eyes. My boys should look like me, and we should look like our father. That's, that's what Paul's getting at. Jesus looks like his father. Jesus straight the father's heart, father's heart for us, and he is remaking us so that we can demonstrate the father's heart to the world. And what does that look like? true righteousness, and holiness. Now, I know those are kind of big churchy words, but they're, they're beautiful, so let's not miss this. Righteousness means, next slide, oh, thank you, friends with God. Holiness is about bringing life to other people. If you're a holy person, people should be more alive, more who they are, because you were around, because you showed up. You changed the atmosphere because of who you are. Righteousness means that you're friends with God, means that God is, has taken care of anything standing between you and him so that you could be reconciled. Jesus shows us how to be friends with God. Do you want that in 2020? Do you want to be more of a friend of God? Because Jesus could show you the way. Jesus wants to show us how we could be holy, how we could bring life to other people wherever we went, everywhere he went. People came alive in Jesus' presence. 
Do you want that? Do you want Jesus to make you like that? Learn Christ. So, if we want to learn Christ, where do we start? We need an up-close encounter with Jesus. We need a vision of Jesus that shows us what it looks like to lay aside the old and to put on the new. And uh, we, just, we just need an up-close and, 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 and personal encounter with him. Not more lists, not more rules, not more discipline. All that stuff helps. This is, this is a love relationship that we're called into. This is a love affair. And when you're in a love relationship with somebody, you don't, you're not counting the hours for how much time you've spent with them. You're not making a list of all the things you've, you've done. It's not regimented. You're just in it. It's just immersive. You're just over the top, head over heels, in love with this person, obsessed with this person, and it shapes you. And that's what Jesus has in mind for us, to have this up-close encounter with him. So if you're up for that, if you're wanting that, I've got some ideas for you. And um, you'll see them on the note sheet that's on your paper. I mean, on the note sheet that's on your, on your chair. Um, kind of towards the bottom, um, there's some ideas. You'll see the phrase, learn Christ. And then there's a couple things there. And there's also a, a slide. But hold on to this note sheet um, as, as we go into the new year. One idea would be that you would speed read through one of the four gospel accounts about Jesus. And I, I really do mean speed read. It's, it's, it's always a good idea from time to time to like slow down and just like really marinate and soak in it and take your time. But just like that Bible project video where we got the whole book in like seven minutes, like that, that was different. Like it kind of gave you the big picture. And so if you speed read through a gospel, you're going to notice stuff. Things are going to jump out at you that, they won't, that won't jump out at you if you go slowly. So speed read. Take, just go as quick as you can and see what sticks. Almost like, um, like there's some new Netflix series and you're just blasting through it because you just can't get enough and you don't even care that it's three in the morning. You're just like, I have to find out what happens. Just, just do that. Just, just go through, the, blast through this thing and see what jumps out at you. Seriously, in like one to two hours, you could read the entire gospel of Matthew or Mark or Luke or John. If you're not a reader, you could listen. There's a bu- like Bible, that could work too. Some like people have like really fantastic narration voices, you could listen, that, that could work too. But as you speed read, make some speedy marks. Um, make notes in the story. Wherever you have a question, where, something, where you're like, that's weird, why did you say that? What's going on there? I don't know what that means. Put a question mark in the margins. Um, whenever something jumps out at you, something's exciting, something's inspiring, you're like, wow, that's the coolest thing. I really needed that, or I, did, I, I didn't know that was going on. Wow. Do an exclamation mark. And then share your question marks and exclamation marks with some other Jesus followers and just say, yeah, when I sped read, here's what jumped out at me, and, and see what they have to say about it. It's just, it's, it's, it, it, it takes it to another level to talk it out with some other people and, and just see what you're experiencing. Another idea is to read about Jesus. Um, next, yeah, thank you, Daniel. Great job. Uh, another idea is to read about Jesus. Um, read somebody else's observations about Jesus, and you might see Jesus in a. There's a. You would not believe the amount of alarms that dictate Sarah and I's lives all day, every day, and that was one of them. Because um, we can't think straight, because we have two very little people, and we need our phones to tell us what to do and when to do it. Um, okay. Come on back. So uh, read about Jesus. Um, read somebody else's observations about Jesus, and you might see Jesus in a fresh new light. They might have noticed some things that you never saw before. Maybe they've done some digging in a certain way, and you're like, what? That's what's going on? So cool. 
So some good places to start. Um, Simply Jesus by N.T. Wright. Who is Jesus by Daryl Johnson and The Jesus I Never Knew by Philip Yancey. Um, then there's others, but uh, if you need a place to start, those would be some ones I'd highly recommend. Uh, next slide. If, if you're a visual learner, um, watch some Bible project videos about Jesus. You already experienced one, and I think it was a great experience for you. There's a lot more waiting for you. Um, and, or watch some movies that are depicting the life of Christ. And, and then and actually try to bring some friends in on it. Like make popcorn, hang out, watch it, and then talk about it with each other. Talk about what you learned about Jesus. When something happens that seems strange or unfamiliar, did Jesus really say that? Did that happen? I don't remember that part. Look for that moment in the Gospels and see how it compares with the movie. Does it line up? Um, some Bible Project videos that I'd recommend, um, the Gospel of the Kingdom, there's a word study on the word euangelion, which means gospel, and then there's this whole Luke-Acts mini-series that's really beautiful. Um, some movies that I'd recommend, uh, Miracle Maker, Son of God, and Godspell. Um, three very different movies. The, uh, the Miracle Maker one, I think, is Claymation. Um, Son of God, Jesus is a little too pretty for my taste, but, you know, it's fine. And then Godspell is if you really want to, like, get your, your, your hippie on, you know, it really get that great. Um, uh, hippie vibe to it, uh, and you'll want to paint flowers on your face and skip around in a field, it's great. Um, and then also the Gospel according to John, and Jesus in the Gospel according to John is portrayed by Desmond from the show Lost, so um, if you're missing him, that'll either be really great or really confusing for you. Um, but a lot of these are online. Okay, so I say that. Who, who thinks, one of, one of these probably jumped out at you more. Who, who thinks um, they want to speed read a gospel? Who's that, that one's jumping out at you, okay? Who's thinking read a book about Jesus? That's maybe your style. That's your flavor. Yep. And who's thinking watch some Jesus videos? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great, great. Okay, so next slide. Um, I want to say just one final thing. Whichever learn Christ practice you decide to add to your life, you got to figure out what you're going to remove from your life to make space for it. Because here's the thing. Um, We live in a very busy culture. Our lives are stacked. That's why you're totally wiped out from Christmas and you needed all this time to recover because it was too much. It was too much. And and most, most people come time for New Year's resolutions and things like that. Um, New Year's resolutions are great um, because you're thinking about who you want to be this year, but when you make a New Year's resolution, it's usually about something we're going to add to our life, and we never consider what we're going to remove to make space for that thing, and then there's no margin in our life, and we, we do it for a couple of weeks, and then we fizzle out, and then we feel discouraged, we feel like we're not very disciplined or whatever, and it's, no, no, it's, I said yes, but to, to say that yes, I got to figure out what I'm going to say no to. So if we want to put on the new human, if we want to spend time getting this up-close personal encounter with Jesus, if this is who we really want to become, we need to make room in our hurried, overcrowded lives, which means, next slide, this week you got to quit something. you got to quit something. And some of us need to quit like two or three things. Some of us, um, our friends, our reputation with our friends, we are always late. They can never count on us for anything. And the reason why is because we think we can do it all, and we pack our lives out with so many things, and people can't count on us. And then you go, why, why have people stopped inviting me to things? Oh, because they can't. You're not reliable. There's, it's just not going to happen. Um, we, we've got to quit something this week. Um, and this is really hard for us because I think we all know about FOMO. Next slide. Uh, FOMO means what? What's the acronym? 
fear of missing out. So we pack our schedules because we don't want to miss anything, and we try to address the lack in our lives with more, more exercise, more friendship, more movies, more whatever. But what we really need is less. We need focus. It's going to just fizzle out. It means we got to quit something if we really want to pursue Jesus. Otherwise, it's going to just fizzle out, and, and you'll have tried it for a while, and it was great, and then you'll go, what happened? Well, what happened was that we didn't make any room. So um, you've heard of FOMO, but there's a new acronym out there that's especially great for the introverts. Uh, next slide. It's called JOMO. Have you guys heard of this one? Joy of missing out. Okay. It's when you're com- you had already committed to be somewhere and do something. You put it in your calendar, but the person who organized the thing, they canceled on you, and you pretend to be sad about it, but on the inside, you are ecstatic. You're like, I have that whole evening now to do whatever I want, and I said, it wasn't my fault. They canceled on me, and you're like, oh, man, bummer about that, but on the inside, you're just like, yes. So that's JOMO. You, your calendar got cleared so you can do whatever you want. Um, don't be afraid of quitting some things so that you can pursue Jesus. I've got two things this week that I've got to quit. I, I needed more than one. I have two things that when I thought about it, I was like, that, that thing had its season. It had its time. It was good. I'm not quitting some things that are bad. It's just, they're just going to crowd out my life. So I, this week, I have two phone calls to make with two people, and I'm going to let them down, and I'm going to let them know, hey, this was, this was fun. I got to wrap it up. And, uh, but, but what's waiting for you on the other side is some serious JOMO. 